Hello and welcome to Sticky from the Inside, the employee engagement podcast that looks at how to build stickier, competition-smashing, consistently successful organisations from the inside out. I'm your host, Andy Gorham, and I'm on a mission to help more businesses turn the lights on behind the eyes of their employees, light the fires within them, and create tons more success for everyone. This podcast is for all those who believe that's something worth going after and would like a little help and guidance in achieving that. Each episode, we dive into the topics that can help create what I call stickier businesses, the sort of businesses where people thrive and love to work and where more customers stay with you and recommend you to others because they love what you do and why you do it. So if you want to take the tricky out of being sticky, listen on. Okay, so here we are again for another episode of Sticky from the Inside, and I am literally sitting on my hands today. I'm so excited. I, I am joined by blogger, researcher, keynote speaker, consultant, if that's not enough, stick in a PhD, and someone who's the author of a best-selling book on the power of authentic purpose called Invisible Leader, and someone who passionately believes that every single one of us has a greater purpose in life, just waiting to be discovered, practiced, and proclaimed. And that's what he helps businesses and individuals do today. I'm so happy and delighted to introduce you all to Professor Zach Mercurio. Hi, Zach. Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me. Oh, chuffed, mate. Absolutely chuffed. If I could be any more British, I'll I'll say words like chuffed and, and tickety-boo. I like that. <laughs> so what's the, syn- what is, what's the synonym for chuffed? delighted maybe something like that yeah (laughs) gotta have a better word americans we're so boring ah come on you're all right you don't do too bad that's all right i mean today we're going to talk about when we when we first had a chat you said to me that there was a worrying thing you were worried at the prospect of purpose in in business getting a bit popular and when i heard you say that i was like check myself what the guy who talks about purpose is worried it's getting popular and uh, who's gone mad here me did i hear that wrong or is, <laughs> yeah. is zach having a having a, a brain fart or something but no mm-hmm. you were serious and so I, a lot of today's conversation will get into that but just in case uh, any of my listeners aren't familiar with you zach can you just give me like a brief kind of synopsis of why we're going to be listening to you today what's made you kind of one of the thought leaders on purpose yeah about well more than 10 years ago now, I was <laughs> in a job that extracted energy. Oh, dear. Right? It like made me worse when I left. Whereas, you know, I think jobs, because we spend a third of our life there, should make us better when we leave than when we come in, right? And I felt worse. And one of the reasons why was that I was in sales and all we would talk about in these sales meetings were targets, quotas, sales goals. But then I would go out and meet human beings, right? Who had vivid, important lives, who needed us. And that disconnect was a bit soul extracting. <laughs> the mental time. Yeah. <laughs> but it was during that time that I, you know, I started just noticing other people who do normal work, um, routine work, bus drivers, mechanics, cab drivers. And I would notice those people who exuded joy, and you probably meet them, 
in your everyday. Uh, yeah, I like to of, think so. Yeah. And one of the things that I found as I was noticing them is that these people really focused on how they contributed. They focused on that, that bigger reason versus what they did. And um, that led me to research and become obsessed with how we learn that. Obsession is a good thing, mate. Obsession is a good thing. Be proud. I was being obsessed with how we learn to focus on our contribution, not just on our achievements. And what I've learned is that we are wired to contribute. We're wired to seek purpose. And when we're in environments that don't elicit that seeking system or don't satisfy that seeking system, what psychologists call it, it can cause depression, anxiety, stress, burnout. And so I'm on a mission in a variety of ways to create environments that are soul regenerating instead of soul <laughs> extracting. I'm loving this. This is a man on a mission. I do love a man on a mission. Yeah. I mean, I've talked about this with some other people on, on other episodes about yeah. purpose, getting a bad rap and getting confused and, and all that kind of jazz. But no one has sort of really dug into your point of view that worried that it was getting popular where's this concern come from zach why are you worried that purpose is getting popular explain that to me i saw a popular article that said that purpose is the next big thing purpose has been the next big thing since humans became conscious (laughs) right so there's a part of our brain that's wired to seek meaning in chaos i mean we're purpose seekers by default there's also part of our brain that's hardwired for contribution to make an impact, right? There's no, in, in our brain, my brain, your brain, it's the same. And our brain rewards us when we contribute and we're rewarded as a species because we continue, right? Um, and I mean, so, generally humans want to help people, right? I mean, exactly. It's, it's actually innate, right? right? So this idea of purpose being new, this idea of focusing on your contribution, is misguided. Where I think purpose is new is some business people have started using it as a tactic yeah. to get people to produce more self-oriented gains. It's interesting because I think McKinsey's just recently have kind of published a report saying the top 30 businesses yeah. across so many industries have said purpose is yeah. the number one differentiator for them going forwards. It's the new thing. Yeah, and it like, is, right? It is yeah. a differentiator. Like anybody can copy what you do and how you do it. But at your core, if you uncover it, no one can really copy why you are, your story, your unique contribution in a market or in a community. 100% agree it, with that. It yeah. is your ultimate differentiator. The problem is the moment in which purpose becomes used as a tactic mm. to achieve and acquire more for yourself, it doesn't become purpose anymore. Yeah, it yeah. becomes a tactic. Yeah. And I think that's where purpose is becoming diluted. And, you know, we dilute and hollow out this idea of purpose when we equate it to a statement or a slogan (laughs) or a brand, right? Before you proclaim a purpose, you have to practice your purpose. So, um, you know, Patagonia, for example, everybody uses them as an example, yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. but they don't go around running around saying, we do no harm. We preserve the environment. No, they donate their $10 million of tax savings to environmental groups. They're the first to shut down all their stores um, in, in the United States after 
the uh, coronavirus lockdown and at the same time continue to pay their people. On Black Friday, they shut all their stores, regardless of how much money they're going to lose because they want people to get outside, right, and volunteer for environmental groups. They prove it. And then they proclaimed it. Their brand expressed what was already there. That's where the magic happened. Yeah, yeah. People are trying to do it the other way around. Everybody wants a shortcut to proclaim I make this big impact without actually doing it. And so I'm trying to get past this idea of purpose as a statement, as an idea to this idea of purpose as an everyday practice. Otherwise, just don't tell me you're purposeful and go on making money. <laughs> to me, it's you a know, bit like, I don't care. I, well, I agree. Well, I, I think I, I do care. I mean, I know you I do I know, care. I know but what I'm care. saying is that I, know like, you care. I do care. But what I'm saying is that just tell us, like yeah. if you just want to continue to make money, be don't open. tell us you're be purposeful, upfront. right? You know, yeah, if be you're going to do it, do it. It's like the That's comedians. The you never hear a comedian or not, not a good comedian come on stage right. and say, hey, I'm funny. Um, yeah, exactly. They get up, they say their stuff, and we judge whether they're funny. Beautiful. And then maybe the poster down the line will say, "Hey, this guy's funny." You know, exactly. <laughs> That's a brilliant way of saying it. It's the same stuff, right? So, I mean, you've intimated to it already, but so how do we avoid this kind of pseudo use of purpose, mm. and how do we get back to really using for what we really want it to do? I think it starts actually at the individual level. Okay. Right. As individual leaders, as individual contributors, as, as human beings, there's a big difference between having purpose and being purposeful. Right. So being purposeful is contribution centered thinking, being and doing. Having purpose is knowing what your purpose is. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you think about being purposeful, I think about how you look at the day ahead of you. And purpose is where your resources make an impact. So consider your, your calendar, your diary for the day. Mm -hmm. In what ways are you going to impact people today versus how are you going to get through the day or how are you going to get so-and-so out of people, right? That's a purposeful perspective. Looking around you in your community, being able to ask questions like, what bothers me? And what are some strengths and skills that I have that can do something about that, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's looking at someone else and, and being able to show them how their strengths make an impact, right? Noticing people, creating a community where everybody not only knows their contributions, but believes that they have something to contribute. So I think it starts with that. And once we get there and we start shifting that mindset, then I think the organizations and communities around us start to shift as well. I like that. I mean, something's just dropped into place for me, having heard you said that. So I read your Spark blog, and I read the, the bits and pieces that you talk about, and you tell some great stories. And you told a story the other day or a few weeks ago about chats that you have with your son in the car about school and what what they've done and yeah. having those conversations and i now understand why you're kind of asking those questions like who did you help today and who helped you mm. it, that's what's behind those sort of conversations right a bigger a greater awareness of how you help other people and yeah so most of us operate by default from a results oriented mindset like we think I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to achieve this. We operate from an if then mindset, right? If I get through the weekend, then I'll be happy. <laughs> if I get this job title, then I'll be successful. If I get this much money, then we'll be we'll be good. We'll be successful, right? And the the problem is when we live in that 
if then argument, the problem with being motivated by achievements is that you can achieve them. Mm-hmm. Right. And then what? Wow. <laughs> you know, right. And purpose fills that purpose and contribution fills that then what? And and the example I use with my son is we tend to ask really bad questions of ourselves that actually strip us of purpose and mattering. We ask questions like, where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, Great question. <laughs> Instead of what kinds of problems do you want to have solved five years from now? We ask questions like, what do you want to do with your life? Instead of what do you want your life to do for other people? Mm-hmm. Right? It starts in these individual interpersonal contexts in education, in our families. And I realized when I was asking my kid, hey, what did you do today? All I would have ever gotten was some list, right? Of like statistics about his day. No wonder he didn't want to, you know, talk to me. If you hired me to come in as a motivational speaker and I said, what did you do today? You would be (laughs) like, who is this guy? Right. But instead asking, who did you help? It directs his attention to what he's proud of, to his usefulness, to that he matters. The same is true when we ask questions of ourselves. Who did I help today? How did I matter today? Uh, How am I going to make an impact today? It directs our attention and what we think about, we become, right? So if we want to become purposeful, we have to start thinking purposefully. So rooting out those anti-mattering questions, those anti-purposeful questions that tell us our worth is hinged upon what we get for what we do. Instead See, of why we do it. Uh, look, it's, this is not my phrase. It's not your phrase. Uh, old Stephen Covey gave it the whole, it's common sense, but it's not common practice, yeah. right? Right. And when we talk about, when I talk about purpose of people or values, behaviors, that kind of, you know, mindset stuff, it just feels like it's just uh, <laughs> common sense, right? But yeah. why why is it not common practice? In 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 the research and the findings you've done and the people you speak to, why why is it not so much more common practice? You know, I've been doing re- more research on the experience of mattering. So what yeah. comes before purpose? Okay, cool. Right. So before purpose, if you want people to know their contribution and to be contribution centered and know their impact, they first have to believe they have something to contribute. If you want someone to use their strengths to make an impact, they first have to believe that they have strengths. The same is true with us, right? We've missed this whole part before purpose of creating communities and organizations in which people feel noticed, they feel affirmed, and they feel needed. Now, notice somebody, right? Ask mm. their full names. Uh, know who their kids are, their uh, spouses. Know their names. Know what their dreams are. Every time I say this, people are like, yeah, it's common sense. And then I ask people, how do you strategically remind yourself to do that every day? Well, I mean, it's just common sense. (laughs) These things are too critical of human needs to be left to intuition. So developing habits, when you meet somebody that you'll ask about their families or friends, just that, that habit, right? When I meet somebody, I will ask them their full name and who relies on them and who they rely on. That's a habit, right? When we can create those habits, we start to create the conditions of mattering. And why is it not common practice? I think it goes back to the fact that we get so caught up and we're taught and educated that we have to achieve, achieve, and achieve for our worth. We have to survive, survive, survive for ourselves. And our attention narrows on ourselves over time. And we become these little insular creatures that are just trying to survive 
in the worst way possible. Think of one living organism that survives without a purpose, mm. right? Without an outward contribution. It's not happening. So we, and that's what happens. We slowly start looking inward on ourselves. And that's where I think society and organizations and individuals start experiencing despair, right? And Viktor Frankl, author of Man's Search for Meaning, said despair is suffering minus meaning. Wow. So Bleak. I think we have to get the other end of the equation, right? Yeah, so despair is not just simply suffering. No, that's 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 some really good stuff there. I, I think like this common sense thing, I mean, I think lots of people in my experience when I go into businesses and what and, and, and talk about similar sorts of things, I think there's a lot of people fooling themselves or cheating themselves that they're doing this stuff. But like the guys who walk around a factory floor introducing themselves mm. talking about the football game last night or how someone's kids are and everything a lot of the guys who do that aren't even thinking to do to do that they mm. they they're just doing it but when i've interviewed staff members line workers whatever the impact that the 30 second spotlight time that a manager or a boss has when they're walking in a factory and has a chat with them and we walk in, he, he will know the names of your kids and your dog is mm. huge, right? Huge. And yet when you want to sit down with some businesses to talk about how are we going to get engagement? How are we going to build motivation? How are we going to build culture? What, what's the complex thing? Talk to some people, have some conversations, get to know them personally, you know, like you say, and I, we're going to dig into this, notice them you know, make them feel like more than just somebody stood on a line. It's, it's not some great, huge mystery and complex thing to sort out. You know, it starts, mm. starts with some of the very, very basics that people take for granted. Right. And yeah, they're so important. So attracted to this big things, right? Yeah. So attracted to the big event, the employee banquet, the awards, big compensation packages, all of this stuff will motivate them. But yeah, I mean, time and time again, research finds that when people feel seen, when they feel known, when they feel needed in those little moments of mattering, that that has way more of an effect on motivation, performance, well-being, fulfillment than does an end-of-the-year awards banquet. Yeah, look, huge. I mean, I love this word mattering, by the way. I really, I really, I have not stopped using it since I've... Oh, spoken good. to you well, and <laughs> keep using it, keep spreading it, <laughs> and uh, and listen to what you've got to say about it. Because at the end of the day, whatever that stat is, that the sixty five percent of people at work don't feel uh, appreciated, right? I mean, that's a it's a huge number, and very similar to that presenteeism figure as well, right? People just showing up, taking yep. a check, and going and going home. And I think if you treat people like that, that's what you're going to have. You're just going to perpetuate that cycle. Whereas mm. if you do treat people differently, you can expect a different result and you can expect a different relationship. But one of the things I really like about how, how you talk about stuff, when we talk about meaning for a sec, the, the difference between the meaning of work and the meaning that's in work. And there was a little bit on LinkedIn the other day about some guy talking about stuff and you went straight into the oven in. And I, lo <laughs> I, I, I love that. So can you explain that for people just to, so they get it? Yeah, one of the... One of the self-fulfilling prophecies that's really dangerous for leaders is to ever think that somebody is just there for a paycheck. Oh, yeah. A human being is much more than what they receive at the under end of a transaction. 
And you may think, and this is where we've really screwed up Maslow because <laughs> Maslow is misinterpreted. We think that someone has to have all of their basic needs met to desire something, but mm. human beings are both what they basically need and what they inherently desire at the same time. So for, for example, when somebody's <laughs> getting a paycheck, they also desire dignity. They also desire at the same time meaning. They also desire significance. Name one person in your life you've ever met who doesn't desire to be significant oh, to someone else. I, I don't think I can. I don't so. care. Whatever pay scale, right? You can't think of one, right? But we treat people like they're just there for a paycheck. And this is where the distinction between meaning of work and meaning in work is really important, as you mentioned. Meaning of work is why people work. It's the place work takes in their lives. There are many meanings of work. Some of us work because it does give us a sense of purpose. Others work for a paycheck and to provide mm -hmm. and just to put a meal on the table. All of those are valid meanings of work. But meaning in work is what people experience when they're there. And that's the public health concern that I'm concerned <laughs> yeah. with. <laughs> because there's two dangerous notions of work that are out there right now. One is that work should be a religion and you should find your sole purpose and fulfillment in it. That's dangerous. Yeah, really. The second dangerous idea is that work is something that you should begrudgingly trudge through for one third of your life just to be able to enjoy the remaining one third of your life that you're awake for. That's just a nuts concept though, isn't it's it? It's nuts, mean <laughs> but we expect it. There's a new movement of people that encourage it, like just go, you know, go get the paycheck. And we create work environments that promote that, especially on the front line, especially in large organizations with a large percentage of frontline workers. Um, and, and it's really dangerous because how we make meaning in work inevitably spills over to how we make meaning in life. We cannot, even if we want to, you can't just shut off your meaning making brain when you walk in. No. And, and again, trying to find the massive, lofty, huge solution for everybody, it just, it's not like that, right? Because when you're talking about significance, you, you're talking about the very basics. Oh, like my interpretation is that you're talking about the very basics of listening to people, making their voices heard, giving them respect. All these mm. kind of like, again, common sense natural things but this is what we this is what we mean by adding meaning in work so you're not just a unit stood on a line in a manufacturing factory you're andy who's part of the yeah, team right. <laughs> right right and uh you know andy's got his own bit his own kind of skills and weaknesses and uh habits and passions and it's about recognizing those things right in day-to-day -day stuff yeah, I, I embedded myself with a group of janitors for a research study. Every one of them said they worked for a paycheck. None of them said that they experienced meaningfulness because of the money they got. Right. Every one of them worked because they needed money, right? But they all said, that's not why I want to keep coming to work. And what sort of things did they say? They all talked about helping another person. Yeah. So helping others seeing their impact. So seeing a room that was dirty become clean and then seeing the effect of a student walking into that and just noticing them walk into that classroom that they just cleaned and thinking about what was going on. You know, one of the janitors said to me, 
The most meaningful part of the job is also the part I hate the most. Interesting, right? Because yeah. purpose isn't always pleasurable. No. And she said, I have to clean the dormitories and clean the bathrooms on Monday morning after the weekend. You can imagine that. <laughs> oh, gosh. But she said, every time I do that, I say to myself, I'm cleaning these bathrooms so that these kids don't get sick. Right. Right. It's that so that that makes work meaningful. I mean, all human beings want to feel needed, to feel indispensable, to feel part of some bigger whole. Yeah. And doing that is a leadership skill that can be learned. And creating that an environment that makes it easy for people to feel needed is a skill. It's not something that is just intuition. No, I think it's I think you're right. It's for me it's things like like managing for trust. Right. Mm. That, to me, that's a skill. Some people are more in tune with that. It's natural. They build relationships based on all of those factors, whether it's Paul Zach's factors or Legioni's factors, whatever mm-hmm, it might be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of stuff, but it's a skill to be able to manage for it. And sometimes, like the stuff we're talking about, you, you need to shine a light on this stuff for people and rub that rear view mirror so they can see that blind spot a little clearly and go, okay, okay. So here are the things you need to do. You, you need to yeah. show respect. You do need, you do need to listen. You know, you need to give them focus. You need to empower. You need to kind of stretch. You need to be there. You need to let all these different things. Some will take for granted. I'd like to think I would take it for granted. People who've worked for me in the past will be shouting at the, uh, at their iPods and wherever going, no, you were rubbish at it. Yeah, I learned. I've learned lessons, right? But I think some guys will be mortified if you actually pulled them up and spoke to them and said, well, you're not really promoting or managing for trust right now because you're not doing X, Y, and Z. They just wouldn't recognize it. Yeah. And I think, you know, we owe it to people to give them a best shot at being their best selves. And sometimes that's pulling this stuff out, right? And and helping them get on the bus. I'll never forget the best leader team leader that I worked with, I would go around her team and I was just interviewing them as part of a organizational culture diagnosis. And uh, they kept saying, oh, you know, she's just amazing. She just gets me. She just (laughs) always has my back, right? I went and talked to her. I was like, how do you do that? And she reaches down into this filing cabinet and pulls out this ratty old (laughs) notebook. (laughs) And in the notebook, she shows me that whenever one of her team members talks about something personal, she writes a note down to herself about their hobbies, about their kid's name, about the projects they're working on. And she says, every day when I come in, I look at that and just make sure I'm checking in on things. If so-and-so's dad was sick, I make sure I know when his appointment was and I check in on that. Right. But the lesson is that she doesn't. She didn't just wake up and was a good relational leader and had some relational strengths. And if you're listening and you're not great at that, you're, it's not that you're never going to be good at that. It's that she had a habit. She had there a thing. Go. She had a notebook and she wrote in it every day and she looked at it every day. And I think great leaders like great athletes constantly come back to the fundamentals. Yep. Right. They, they don't overlook the fundamentals of what humans need of caring, of noticing. And all of that stuff breeds the other stuff. Um, and if you look at like NFL quarterbacks here in American football and you look at them practice, they practice the mundane things like footwork over and over and over again, five, six hours. Are you practicing the fundamentals of being human as a leader? Yeah. I mean, and it's never over. 
You've never, never over, you've no. never won. And if you're a winner, if you're number one, you should be training like you're number two, because and number if, two's yeah. re- really, and really, I've really. I talked really to some it. like athletic coaches, and they say the the athletes who fall are the ones who stop working on fundamentals. I think it's the same thing with leaders. Like the the leaders who lose their teams, lose their organizations, they've stopped working on the fundamentals of being human. I totally believe that. And I'll stretch it probably too far, but I think this is where things like values and behaviors also come a cropper because they start mm. with huge energy and the leaders set the vision and they've created these things. And then, oh, job done. Job's done. Let's move yeah. on to the next thing. And what happens? It's kind of yesterday's news. It's not yeah. constant. It's not f- refreshed. It's not, mm. it doesn't matter <laughs> any, yeah. anymore. And I think... You know, the job of that leader, unfortunately, may be, but rightly so, is to repeat, 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 refine, refresh, repeat. Just mm-hmm. keep this stuff going. Keep it alive. Show Can you imagine? It it, you imagine, for those of you who have kids, I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. Can you imagine if I like was like, all right, kids, our values are we're going to be kind to one another. Our values are we're going to share. Okay? So remember those. I'm going to put them up on the wall. And let's go get them. And then there's no accountability as you go. There's no conversations. It's just, well, those are the values. Hey, look, kids. Yeah. It wouldn't work. That's no. why it doesn't work in organizations because humans and humans learn through viewing other humans doing things. I, I just love this, these sort of conversations. Zach. I know. I, right? I love I could just like, go on. just like we're encoded to one more thing I have been thinking about. And I'm glad I'm talking to you is just like we're encoded to learn language. If we weren't around people who were speaking, we'd never speak. Just like we're encoded to discover purpose. If we're not around people who are purposeful, we'll never become purposeful, right? So Mm. our environment and leaders who are listening and teams, the environment is so critical to create the behaviors you want to see. Yeah. you It's been said, goodness knows how many times about leading by example and being consistent and all these things right this is where the problem i'm getting mad that that's popular right i'm mad that that's become a thing lead by example yeah be a good human consistently i look i think one of the good things of where we're at in the world right now is that we're talking about this stuff exactly. more openly and i think and i i pray that the humanity that seems to be coming and creeping back into business is going to stick around. Maybe, again, stretching it with Larry Fink's kind of letter to CEOs mm-hmm, this mm-hmm, year with mm-hmm. like, I mean, I know he's talked about sustainability and what have you for yeah. a, a while, but I mean, he nailed his colors to the mast this time around, right? He did. He did. And so, you know, especially me, right now. Yeah. So to me, if guys like Larry Fink, because we, I always get people throw the profit thing at me when I start talking about purpose, right? And the money making aspect about oh, it's all over worthy, fluffy stuff. You know, businesses have to make profit. Y- yeah, of, of, course of course they do. They, do. <laughs> <laughs> they won't be businesses. And actually, if you don't have money, you can't go and pursue that purpose that you want to kind of drive at anyway, right? So to me, the, they're both hand in glove. It's just a way of delivering profits, right? It's a good way for everybody. Yeah. And it's the, it's like we, we live in this like linear world or this either or world when it's really circular because you have profit because of purpose. 
Like it's just basic value creation, (laughs) right? You have profit because of purpose and you're able to deliver more purpose because you have profit. Yeah. I I don't see the two as kind of sitting in separate or sleeping in separate beds. This is together. It's right. (laughs) These are Yeah, You only have an effect because you have a cause. I talk about this often. Like you see people who just pursue the effect. You try to get the financial result without intensely pursuing the contribution, the value creation, the purpose that results in the effect in the first place. I mean, how many of us have been on teams where we strategize about how to meet a quarterly goal without strategizing about how we're going to better contribute to our customers to meet the quarterly goal? Uh, It's just those little shifts in thinking that are more purposeful and help us derive more meaning. Absolutely, my friend. So, look, with all this stuff that's going on right now, and you wrote your you wrote your book a couple of years or so ago, is it now? I think it was, yeah, three years ago. Wow, three years ago. Yeah. So, where is your focus right now? So, what what's coming? What's coming next? I mean, is it around mattering and significance and stuff, or are you looking at other avenues? Right now, I'm really concerned with before purpose. Okay, so I'm really concerned with the prequel. Yeah, like if people don't believe that they matter, then it's very easy for nothing to matter. It's the factor in motivation that's that's been slightly forgotten. And it's become forgotten because it's so common sense. And when, I, when we think about mattering, there's three components that create a moment of mattering, right? It's feeling noticed, feeling affirmed that your strengths are valued and they make an impact, and then feeling needed, feeling like you're indispensable. And all of this stuff on essential workers that have come out in the last year. Mm. It's sort of funny to me because <laughs> it's as if we're not all essential and we are right. So oh, God, yeah. this idea of, I think being an essential thinker is what I'm really trying to embed into leadership that what if you showed everybody how they were indispensable, regardless of why they're there, Regardless, if they're there for a paycheck, great. But the key is, is that they're there. And if they're there as a leader, I think your ultimate responsibility is to be responsible for the environment in which a human being with a life as vivid and complex as your own spends a third of their life. That's the ultimate responsibility of a leader. Oh, yeah. And mm. and that's and it go then it goes back to the fundamentals of being human. And that's really what I'm focusing on is how do we how do we bring those back? How do we teach those? How do we practice those? How do we eliminate the word soft skills and make sure fundamental <laughs> human to human interaction is a hard skill again? Uh, and for me, that's starting with mattering right now. But I'm still concerned with bringing purpose back to earth. <laughs> you know, well, I think, but I think conjoining these two things yeah. of mattering to purpose, I think that's a. And smart I'm also like really working on this distinction between having purpose and being purposeful. Like, what does it mean to have a purposeful mindset? What does it mean to to live from a contribution legacy-centered mindset? And so there's a lot of work to be done. You are doing a lot of work, my friend. I don't think work's something you're shy of on this topic. And if I had my way, I would talk about this for goodness knows how long. I've just literally looked at my time and I'm like, oh my God, time's kind of running out. Listen. We talked about simplicity. We've talked about common sense in these stuff. I, I have this bit in my podcast called Sticky Notes. It's mainly due to my clearly onset early Alzheimer's because <laughs> I can't remember a load of stuff. So I like to keep things simple. So 
Yeah. All of my guests ask them to do uh, three pieces of advice that people can take back to. I was going to say the office, but uh, that might be f- true for some people, or maybe the corner of their living room, wherever it is that they're kind of working, mm. that mm-hmm. they can use to mm-hmm. have a think about and improve. And in this case, think about mattering. You know, mm. that's our topic today. So if you were to give three sticky notes to to my listeners, Zach, what, what would they be, my friend? The first is make a list of the people that you see every day and ask yourself, do I notice them? Do I know their names? Do I know their families? Do I know their friends? I'm talking your delivery driver. Start yeah, there. Yeah. Start with your partner, your kid. <laughs> Do you know their strengths? Have you affirmed them? And then have you told them that they're needed? And just think about your every day and try to identify who needs to be noticed, who needs to be affirmed, who needs to be needed. The second sticky note that I would put up is just a question, my toddler question right? Mm. Who did you help today? And who helped you today? Put out, put that on your wherever, on your ceiling. I don't know. Before it's you go such to bed. a cool question. I love it. And that. look at it and, and try to answer it for yourself um, every day. And then the third sticky note, I would say, is to write down how you want to be remembered. And I don't mean in, in your life, but I mean that day. What kind of impact do you want to make on other people when people walk away from you, walk away from a conversation or leave the Zoom conversation? What do you want them thinking, feeling, and being motivated to do? And I think those three things, if, if you, you have them visible and you do that every day, try it. If anybody here tries it for a month to do those three things, let me know. Because what we know is that just like a gratitude practice, this is kind of like a meaningfulness practice and your brain starts making different decisions about how you approach your day. Uh, and I think that's where all of this starts. Those are some great sticky notes. I love that last one as well. I'm going to, yeah. Right. Because people can tend to think about purpose as the, you know, the million year challenge. Right. Day by day. Today. How today, do you want to be remembered day today? Day. I mean, do you want to be remembered by someone who is too busy or do you want to be remembered at, <laughs> right? No, but how, so think about that and then think about how you approach your day. Oh, mate, that's brilliant. Thank you so much for those. I'm sitting here going, look, I've got to finish a podcast, but I'm now starting to think about the sticky notes. So that's, that's a good sign. (laughs) That is good. That is good. That's a good sign. Me too. And I do want to say like this, all of this is an, is an aspirational exercise, right? We do things to become who we want to be. Like for me, I research purpose and meaningfulness, but every time I do a podcast, I'm teaching myself too. It's a constant, like you said earlier, it's constant. If you think you've arrived, you're probably further away yeah. from where you started. You know, So it's a constant learning exercise. And that, my friend, is a great way to finish it. Zach, thanks so much for your time, mate. I really enjoyed your company. And, uh, and thanks very, very much. You too. Thanks for putting this out into the world. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Guys, that was Zach Mercurio. If you want to check out a bit more detail about some of the things and concepts that we've talked about and find out about Zach's book and all other good stuff, it's all in the show notes. So please check them out. So that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, found it interesting, and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier, more successful business from the inside going forward. If you have, Please like, comment, and subscribe. It really helps. 
I'm Andy Gorham, and you've been listening to the Sticky from the Inside podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.